Hello and welcome everybody to the world's greatest podcast, a deadline day special with That's The Way The Cookie Crumbles. We're joined today by Lou, friend of the pod, been on the pod many times. Stan's running late today. He's uh, gone to see a man about a dog and that's all we'll say about that, won't we, Jim? (laughs) And a woman about a pussy. (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly. But yeah, Stan's going to join us a little bit later in the pod. Don't worry, you'll all get to hear Stan and lose United views. Don't worry, we're doing it last so Stan can talk about all that. But I can't believe I'm even saying this. Aston Villa 7, Liverpool 2. Jim, where do you start with that? Um, Well, yesterday, uh, Super Sunday, the defences were at 6s and (laughs) 7s. Get it? Um, yeah, we thought that United result would be the worst one, and then you see Liverpool concede seven, and it's just been mental, isn't it? It's very um, Spursy to get outshone, even when on the day you beat United six <laughs> one at Old Trafford. Um, but yeah, honestly, I, I don't think anyone's seen this one coming, did they? But um, I guess when you watch the game and watch, watch the highlights, that Liverpool just kept getting punished by a high line, but just never in the 90 minutes, did anything about it. And Aston Villa were like, all right, we'll just keep putting balls in behind there. Mm-hmm. And they kept, it could have been 10. It could, it could have easily been 10. So Watkins missed two good chances. Barkley went through twice. Barkley could have definitely had a first half hat trick. I mean, anyone who watched this game, the link-up was real between Barkley and Grillo, wasn't it? Lou, I know both these players could be on Southgate's plane. And Grillo yesterday, three assists and two goals against, obviously, the champions. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, as you say, the link up between the two, considering Barkley had only just come into the the, the squad and um, only kind of signed on the dotted line, you know, what a couple of days before him actually playing this game, speaks volumes around the potential partnership that they could offer going forward and what that it just gives uh, Southgate another headache, I guess, for England in that the options that they come that they can play are just growing all the time and. We know that he, he doesn't almost seem to not necessarily fancy um, Grealish as well because he's only had to put him into the squad on a technicality in the in the last games we played. Um, but yeah, that game was was crazy. Really, they they just left Liverpool completely shell shocked. You know, in the first 20, 20, 30 minutes of the game, and they just never really got going. Even when Liverpool was starting to settle into the game a little bit and you thought, right, well, maybe here they come now, they score again. And they just kept knocking the, the wind out of Liverpool's sails and stopped them from kind of really getting any, um, really progressing through the game. So, as I said, it was a complete shock, but it definitely made the, the result before that a little bit more um, bearable. <laughs> yeah, what wasn't a shock though was how good Grealish is. I think we all know how good he is, but you don't get to see it as often as you'd like. And last season, he didn't have many players on the same wavelength and same skill as him at Villa in that forward line. Maybe John McGinn a few times, but he was injured and they didn't get to play together as much as Dean Smith would probably like. But I think it shows when you put Barkley and Watkins in, who are on that same wavelength, like just how good Grealish is. He's he's incredible. He can carry a team. And it's, it's madness that he's playing for Villa. But, I mean, fair play to him. And he signed his new and, contract, hasn't he? Yeah, and Villa have started really well. And you could see... It's weird how just two signings, he could put Watkins and Barkley, well, they sort of the keeper out. Um, they put a bit... They spent 
sensible money, I'd say, this summer as opposed to last summer, buying a lot of unknown talents from abroad. And Villa are turning into a team that just scraped survival. You could see him in the top 10 now. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah. the sky's the limit for Villa, especially, like you've said, they've signed smart and spent well. Barkley, I think, on loan is honestly a fantastic signing. He's in the England squad every time Southgate calls it, and he's in there for a reason. And obviously, he showed his quality yesterday, but the same as Grealish. You don't get to see it as often as you would have liked. He scored a great goal against Liverpool last year in the FA Cup, where he picked it up from his own half and scored. And with Barkley, if he can find some consistency, like Lou said before, Southgate's definitely got a selection headache for the Oros because we're getting a lot of good, talented players on, and players that really need to start fulfilling the potential. And it looks like some of them are finally doing that. Yeah, I put it to Stan in the group um, chat before. Um, Ross Barkley is 4-1 to make the England squad. Great and price. If he gets a good season going and he... You can see he's all, he looks like he's quite proud of it for Grealish already. Yeah, absolutely. If they, get, if they get a little combination going, Barkley is going to give him a headache. And he's a great player. He's a player that you laugh at when he's at Chelsea because I do think he's out of his depth there and he hasn't lived up to the hype he did when he came for Everton as a teenager. But he signed for Chelsea for a reason because he's got a big talent and he's a good player. Yeah, He's kind of gone through that typical um, young English players problem where... You don't really know the best position that they should be playing in. So you look at uh, a Deli Ali, and you look at maybe Jesse Lingard, and you look at uh, Ross Barkley, and maybe like you know Tom Cleverley when he was um, when he was younger when he first came through at United. They all remind me the same. They all start off in one position, and then you know a couple of years down the line, in the middle of the career, you question, well, where where should they actually be playing on the on the pitch? And it's kind of giving him the opportunity to re reassess himself and re reestablish, you know himself as a player really I think going to somewhere like Villa and having the freedom to actually play yeah I, yeah. I put this season similar to um, the Loftus-Cheek season when he went on loan to Palace obviously a very talented player couldn't really get into the Chelsea team consistently um, but when he went on to Palace he made the Euro squad I believe or the World Cup World squad Cup. Uh, yeah. yeah so Barkley could easily do the same here yeah Defo I think 4-1 to one. It definitely needs to be back that because if he can maintain his fitness, which I don't question at all, he'll definitely be going to the Oros. He's a player that Southgate likes and he's a forward-thinking player. And he is a good player, like Jim said. He's not going to be signed for Chelsea for no reason. I mean, he, he was brought in to to fill the squad and I would have ideally liked to have kept Ross Barkley this season just because, like Jim said, he is a talent and he is obviously a good player and we are in a lot of competitions. But he's playing football at Villa they look really good. And like we said before, the sky's the limit for Aston Miller this season. But sticking with a team that sky is also the limit for, Carlo Ancelotti's Everton side, Lou, they look very tasty at the minute. Hammers Rodriguez, the man who never, ever, ever sprints, is tearing up the league. He dropped a clinic at the weekend. And what do you think about Everton, Lou? Because they do look good. I hate to say it, but they look good. They do, they do. And I think, you know, one of the most important things is it just goes to show that if you strengthen in the right areas, aka, you know, the spine of the team, if you get that right, you're, you're just going to straight away, you're, you're going to benefit. And they brought in Decore, um, they brought Alan. in Alan, they've just brought in uh, the lad from Norwich Godfrey. as well. He looks, ben yeah, Godfrey. I mean, he looks like he can do a job. Um, 
did want to bring in a goalkeeper as well. They've been linked with Romero and, and, and Gazaniga. So the the intentions that obviously Ancelotti's showing, you know, years of experience. Obviously, clearly doing the right things in the transfer market, getting getting business done early as well. And it does speak volumes to be able to get the best out of your players, especially when they're, they're new and first coming into the Prem. But they look a completely different outfit at the moment, don't they? You know, they've got um, James Rodriguez. <laughs> You've got DCL, who's scoring all sorts of goals, which is what you want. That's exactly what you want to see from a striker. Um, all sorts of goals, headers, balls through. You know, that, that goal where he, the ball came over the top and he touched it down, then hit it with the other foot. And he looks big and strong now. Um, Richie Alves is popping up with goals. So all the forwards are scoring. They're doing exactly what, what you need them to do. Um, especially if there's going to be periods in the season where some might be injured or if someone's not in form, you you know, you're going to have the confidence really there to to assume that some people are going to fill in and, and make the difference when when others aren't actually performing. And I mean, there's a long season ahead. We all know that, but it's probably the best start they could have asked for so far. Um, especially if you use United as a bit of a guide. You know, they beat Palace and Brighton pretty comfortably when we struggled against both them teams uh, as our first two games of the season. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting. Yeah, Jim. I mean. Like I said to Lou, then Everton do look great. They've addressed they've addressed where they were they were leaking goals. Ideally, I think they would like a goalkeeper, but DCL scoring so many goals, it would be unfair to not speak about him. He he was mentioned in in an interview that he said to him that he needed to be more Inzaghi like, so finishing with more one and two touch finishes as opposed to taking loads of touches in the box. And it looks like it's working. Calvert-Lewin's getting on the end of all sorts. And like his predecessor, Raheem Sterling, in that respect, who is almost the king of the one-touch finish. <laughs> Calvert-Lewin is definitely putting his hat in the ring in there, Jim. Yeah, um, so I get a great record on Ranchelotti and DCL's record on Ranchelotti has started just as well. Um, he thought we'd be comparing them to yeah. <laughs> DCL and Inzaghi. Yeah. Oh, that was his idol as a kid, obviously. <laughs> The only time I hate comparisons of Inzaghi in the Premier League is when players just caught offside all the time. <laughs> but um, but yeah, DCL at the end of the game actually alluded to um, how the squad harmony was lifted by bringing in these new signings, um, your Alan, your Decore, your Hammers. Um, and he was without um, Alan on the weekend, but they still look good. Mm. And I think we'll get to it later, obviously, when we speak about United and the failings in the window and etc. But that's what it can do to a squad. It's just two free players, two free good yeah. players, smart signings. They've spent a lot of money in the past and they haven't spent that much money this window, but they've spent it sensibly where they have. And that's what it does to the existing crop. Um, DCL looks at his squad now and thinks, yeah, I can I can start scoring. He could be top scorer this year easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and they found a system that works. They've got backups in good positions and... When I watched that game on the weekend, they came, they flew out the traps. I think Matt Ryan had two saves in two minutes. Just yeah. like that's how com- that's, this team playing with confidence. Um, yeah. Hopefully, they can take it into Liverpool next week because, like Lou said before about the fixtures, they have beat some team. But Brian and Palace are no pushovers, but we need to see the, um, Everton against a proper team. Yeah, um, to see how good they are. Defo, Jim. Then Defo needs to play like you said, a heavy hitter. This Liverpool game is almost come at the perfect time for Everton as well. Obviously, their squad's gelled so quickly. Hamez has settled in great. Richarlison's thriving and they do look good, but 
Liverpool are coming off the back of a 7-2 spanking and then all the players are going off here, there and everywhere on international duty. It's almost the perfect time to play them when they come back because the best thing for a team when you get a spanking is you need that next game very quickly. Yeah. You or almost, like a training session at least yeah, to get back yeah. into it. You're almost, you're almost wanting a cup game, almost like a confidence raiser, but Liverpool can't get that now. The same with United, like we'll discuss later, they don't. They can't do that. The players are going here, there, and everywhere on international duty, and Everton should definitely smell blood here, Lou, shouldn't they? Hundred percent. Yeah, they need to. They need to just play. They need to not adapt the style to try and play against Liverpool. Now, you know, they need to go at that game as if they have done, or like they have done against uh, at Palace and Brighton. Um, yeah, that's that's what Villa did against Liverpool, and you know they struggled, and it's going to be huge. It's going to surely feel great, and this is probably going to be one of the most optimistic um, Merseyside derbies Everton have gone into in, in the you know in recent years, and it will be really interesting. It's going to be worth noting that so obviously different caliber of teams, but United and Liverpool both got a, a good hammer in. It's going to be interesting to see how how Liverpool react to that and how United react to that in terms of. Um, mentality of, of the players um, and, and just kind of have a bit of a comparison so it's, it's definitely that's that's something to, to watch out for in terms of the results and how they actually go about the game if you're going to question the attitude of, of, of Man United which I'm, I'm sure we'll probably touch on later anyway I was going to say the last time um, Everton got a result was Liverpool well a winning result was, was over 10 years ago and Tim Cale scored in that game it's a very different yeah. Everton team to the to the Moyes pragmatism um, yeah. that they used this to be, have. You know, it's actually a fun be, Everton team. They've got to go into it with confidence, like real, real confidence, surely. Yeah, I usually find Merced that was quite quite boring. Like Liverpool are going to win. Yeah, it's going to be quite me too. Um, most exciting thing that's happened over the past 10 years probably Suarez diving in front of Moyes. <laughs> um, but Liverpool just take the piss. Um but yeah, you're, you're exactly right. They've got to be confident yeah. the way they've started, the way Liverpool have looked very leaky. Um, yeah. That high line isn't working for them. Um, it works so well from last season, but there's something about it this season, whether they're resting yeah. on laurels and being a bit naive, but Everton have got to attack them, I think. Yeah, it could potentially be, obviously, a mix between, well, like you've just said then, Jim, resting on your laurels and Everton in a, in a good vein of form, but... Sticking with teams in a rich vein of form, West Ham United, Jim. They've, we, we've mentioned on the pod, potentially with the first seven fixtures, given the way the first couple went, they could be 0-7. How stupid are they making us look with the last two wins? <laughs> yeah, well, we was hammering the hammers and now we're eating word soup, Cook. Um... <laughs> I'm full. No more, no more. <laughs> but yeah, Liam... It's weird, like, I think it was two weeks ago I mentioned on the pod how the season kind of feels like it's not stopped and it's continued from last season. Um, it's just one long season. West Ham ended last season really well and they've started this one really well, so maybe there is something yeah. in it. Um, they've had really hard Leicester and Wolves and they beat them 4-0 and 3-0. I don't, you can't, and the manager's at home doing it, ringing Stuart Pearce, telling him what to say. <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it? They're like, every week of back is just getting weirder and weirder. Like, honestly, just don't bet on it. That's, that's what I will yeah. say. Don't bet on it. <laughs> it's not a point. Or if you love an underdog, do you bet on it? Yeah, <laughs> well, absolutely. It's definitely, the book is always going to win it. either way. Oh, I. 
You never see a bookie with a part-time job, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> Too true. Uh, but yeah, about West Ham, um, Antonio, he's continued his form. He's a great player. He's yeah. really underrated and a really like so character too. Um, he's got Jared Bowen. He looks like he's... Uh, they've actually hit the nail on the head of a signing. He looks pretty good. He's been consistent for a while now. Um, four nails, maybe he can... He scored on the weekend a great touch and he's took the goal well. Um, he didn't have a great season last season, I must say, but he's still young and if he can get more of that out of him, then West Ham might be fine. I predict him to go down, but there's a lot of talent there and Moyes has got a good relegation record, so maybe it's not all doom and gloom. Hopefully. I mean, West Ham, obviously, like we said before, proving us wrong, but Lou, is it a case of it, it shouldn't be <sighs> Wolves potentially sitting on their laurels because usually they add to the squad and you think oh bloody hell he's gone to Wolves like you usually question the signing but now they're letting all the big guns go it would seem little by little Jot has obviously left for Liverpool it seems like Jimenez is there on his own or that's what it looked like this weekend but they've not improved Dockett has gone to Tottenham they've brought in Semedo who's defending is very questionable but the thing is I think Wolves needed to do more in this window yeah, very possibly, and they usually do pop up with a with a with a great signing um, here or there. Usually, they conduct the business very well. They go about it kind of very, very consistently, quietly, almost under the radar. But then, um, with the what the manager does, and he does a great job with them, I would expect um, Tomatoes to come in and probably look look better for some strange reason. Just just what he can do with his team. Um, and there is always that point, I think, where these kind of teams like Wolves do start selling the players. Um, but it'll be interesting for them to, to show what they're made of in how they replace the players that they're going to lose or that they keep continuing to lose. And obviously Jota Jot was a, a big loss for them. Um, they've kept... I mean, they've got Traore uh, on another contract. or it looks like he's going to sign another contract. They've got Connor Cody on another long-term contract. Um, they've kept all the Jimenez. So, you know, whilst they're losing players, I think there's teams that are yet to just fully get going in the league. You know, I mean, did Wolves, they had a bit of an extended season because of the Europa League. United did, City did. I don't know if there's a, a correlation. You know, there's an argument possibly to suggest that the, the teams that played deeper into the season when it finished earlier for others aren't performing as well as, as those that kind of got firing straight away. Um for me, it just seems that there'll be teams that kind of will maybe take a little bit more time to get going rather than it just be panic stations for now. Um, someone like, a, even like a Sheffield United, you know, they, they've not had great results so far, but you just kind of feel like with the system that they've got, it'll just be um, a bit of a, a waiting game until they actually do hit a vein of form, really. So I think with, with Wolves, um yeah, I think that they will eventually get going. I think they've kept hold of some some key players whilst losing some. Um, but the manager, the manager is a Premier League manager. He looks good enough to, to sort that team out and get him firing again to me, to be honest with you. Yeah. And finally, Stan's arrived. and Here he is. And staying. Oh. And I, I, was, I, hope... I, was, I was debating whether to come on or not after that. <laughs> oh, go on, Stan. Talk to us. What happened yesterday? I'm not quite sure. I don't think I remember. <laughs> yeah. Liverpool. Gone, no, I'm sure you've already spoke about that one. Oh, um, don't the worry. Second... Their name's been dragged through the mud stand. Don't yeah. you worry. The second most shocking result of yesterday. 
Thursday. Can you believe you're saying that? After <laughs> after that happened, could you believe no, you're saying no. that? No. <laughs> At seven o'clock, uh, no. I thought we'd be first on match of the day, but we weren't. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, Spurs beat United 6-1 at Old Trafford. The second time um, in the last 10 years that we've been beaten 6-1 at Old Trafford, I'm sure Jim will uh, remind me. Yeah. Uh, a joint ever worst Premier League loss, I think. Uh, almost certain of that. Um, yeah, so many facets to this loss. I don't really know where to begin. Um, and United never really got started, ironically. Um, and 40 seconds in, we had a penalty, which was a penalty. We looked very sharp, weirdly enough, for that one minute in the game. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bruno dispatched, as he does, and it went downhill from there. Uh, Maguire trying to tackle Shaw. Uh, United not being awake for a quick free kick. The Martial and the Mella thing, I mean, I don't know what you lot think, whether I'm being biased or not, but I don't understand how you can send one off and not send the other one off or just in general have different punishments for those two acts when they both hit each other in the face. So, Jim or Cook, give me an unbiased view, please. Um, I think I think you bang on, like, obviously. I think anyone with a footballing brain looks at that Martial and the Mella instant and say it's rather one-off or non-off. No, or off, both off or non-off, should I say. But um, I think there's something seriously wrong with the laws of the game whereby Martial and Lamella have a little instant and that's a red card by the letter of law. But then at the end of the game, um, Luke Shaw's tackle on Lucas Moura is the clearest red card you'll see all season. It's it's dangerous to the player. He doesn't even attempt to play the ball. He's just gone to kick him. And that's a yellow card. But Martial literally like touching Lamella's face is a red card. That's that's when I look at that and think there's something wrong. It just used a bit of common sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it seemed it seemed to me like the only difference really was that Lamella went down and Martial didn't. I don't really. They both hit each other on the chin. If anything, I think Lamella's was worse because it was elbow and Martial tapped him on the chin. Um, obviously, you don't raise your hands, you don't put your hands in each other's faces. So by the letter of the law, they both should be having red cards. I don't know how you can review that and then still decide that only one gets a red card. I think they both get the same punishment, whether that's, you know, two yellows, n- nothing at all, or, or, you know, they both get sent off. I um, think Lamella's Lam- got away with it because he's not looking at him when he's doing it, but he knows he's doing it. It's oh, just, yeah, yeah. It, it's little games in, in, on a corner. You have loads of them get involved in that. Lamella's yeah. got what he's asked for the That's, that's what he's wanted. He's oh, yeah, wanted yeah. the reaction. And, yeah, um, yeah. But like you say, with VAR... Players shouldn't be able to get away with stuff like nowadays. That's what I thought it was cutting it out. Yeah, I mean, not to. I mean, Lou, do you want to add anything to that, or should we move on to the rest of the game? Oh, let's I was just to the rest of the game, mate. No, no, I was just going to say. Then, obviously, we can we can talk about we can talk about the the red card. Obviously, like Stan said, if Marshall goes down initially from Lamella's elbow, that's Lamella going, and that could have been six one the other way, and. But yeah. one thing, Lou, we can't escape was United's defence. I mean, Harry Maguire was like the blind leading the blind back there. Jesus Christ. Honestly, it's hard to actually <laughs> analyse the game. For I just can't... There's just things that have got made about the actual game that just... They almost just seem irrelevant on the, based on the wider problem that's going on at the club. But, yeah, I mean, you know, if you, if you actually think about the defending in its, in its general sense, so um, Harry Maguire heads the ball, tries to head the ball back to De Gea, awful header back, then grabs hold of Shaw to try and take control of the situation, pulls him over, and it's a little tap-in for, for, I think it was Son. Um, 
Bay, you know, gets his chance, deserved his chance back in 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 the team. Clearly shook up, gets the ball off a goal kick, drops it into the centre mid. I think it was Matic uh, or or whoever it was. Kane dispossesses him, and it's a, it's another tap in. Or Aurier's goal in the second half. You know, Shaw gets dragged in. You know, there's no there's no communication. Shaw gets dragged into uh, a, an an attacking player that he shouldn't. Who's in the middle of the pitch, forfeits his position, which gives. Aurier an easy run into the back post but in the same breath Paul Pogba is stood three yards offshore doesn't even check his shoulder doesn't get a shout and he jogs back to try and make the challenge like the defensive frailties were there yeah, yeah. For, for, for all to see and like it's it's the best I, I wouldn't mind if really you get tore open by some great football but when there's leaky mistakes going on as well then like I don't know what. Yeah, how, what I mean, do you put that pin that down to? Because to yeah, me, that's I mean, players. Well, the weirdest thing about it is, I don't think United fans, or I mean, any other fans, and all the rival fans might say, "Oh, well, you know, Maguire's shit, he's shit." But the fact of the matter is that United only conceded thirty-six goals in the league last season, and we've already conceded eleven. So we've nearly already conceded a third of the goals that we conceded last season. And apart from Bayi, that back six, if I include Matic as well is the same as it was for the majority of last season. So I don't understand how you can go from being one of the best teams in the league, if not Europe, in that lockdown period to what we've seen in the first three games. I just don't understand it. It can't be coaching because none of the coaches have changed. The manager's still the same. Um, So for me, it's got to come down to just fatigue and complacency because I don't understand how you can go from one of the best defences in in Europe, off stats-wise... And I think only City and Liverpool conceded less than United did in the league uh, last year. And we know how far ahead they are from everybody else. Um, so, you know, what we've seen yesterday, and, you know, even in the first three games, we were lucky that, you know, Brighton didn't put six past yeah, us, exactly. for being honest. Um, Palace obviously put three past us. So I, I don't understand it. And that's the most difficult thing at the moment. It's actually putting your finger on what went wrong yesterday and what's gone wrong in the first three games. Because... I just don't understand. This This is, this is. I mean, I think maybe 10 out of that 11 yesterday was the same starting 11 that played, was it three or four games in a row and beat Blue Bournemouth away, Blue Brighton away, Blue Sheffield United away. And now it's, you know, this is happening. Like I say, to me, it can only be down to fatigue or complacency or a mixture of both. And yeah, there was, there was some schoolboy stuff there. So like Lee mentioned, um, sure, getting dragged in for the Oreo goal, but... Actually, in the first half for the Son second goal, it's exactly the same. Shaw gets dragged in and Shaw makes a run at the front post and no one's there to defend it. And I think watching, especially Maguire, who's come under a lot of criticism, obviously the price tag, but and I would stick up for him usually, but yesterday he was awful. He was one of the worst centre-back performances I've seen in a long time. For me, it's like a defender that's trying to do too much. For Son's second goal, he's, he's actually in the left-hand corner trying to defend a cross and he's a centre-back. I don't know what he's doing there, but he looks like he's trying to do everything. Mm-hmm. And then the biggest skill by everyone all was the second goal. I mean, even at Sunday League, it's hard to stand over a free kick when it's yeah, the team's breaking. It's just, yeah. it's so simple. Even, yeah. even, yeah, yeah, 100%. But exactly right, you know, at Wamasaka was a yard off it. You, of course you stand in front of the ball, but he, yeah. he no yeah. one's looked sharp. Wamasaka's been one of the least in terms of, of match sharpness that I've seen so far and it just reminds me did he go away he had to go and spend some time in Dubai doing some fitness training or something like that and 
I just yeah. wonder what, what yeah. what's gone on. But I don't know, Stan. You're you're probably going to roll in with me on this, but it just yeah. already starting to feel like there's a there's a cycle that's all too familiar starting to to go on now. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. Seventy six chances in five games. United have give up. So and you yeah. so you've not even played like high caliber attacking no. opponents. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I say, last season the, the difference in the whole team, but specifically the the, uh, the defense from from last season to this is just crazy, and nobody's changed. This is why I just don't understand it. It's got to be fatigue or complacency that they know they're going to start every week. Um, I don't know because, like I say, the coaching's not changed. It's the same players. I don't know how you can go from mm. from you know last season to this, but no, lose right. It, it, it's just. <sighs> It doesn't help when you play the same 11 players since, you know, the end of January, pretty much every single game. And you've you've already spoken about that Europa League run that we had. Um, and I think we had maybe two weeks together as a squad with yeah. that Nations League being uh, sandwiched in there as well between the end of the European competitions and the start of this one. Um, yeah, that, that can't help. Uh, we needed the bodies in earlier. It looks like today you know being monday the last day we are getting bodies in but it's too it's too yeah. late i mean the, those we've got three points out of nine there and those six points could be the difference at the end of the season from finishing fourth uh, fourth yeah. or fifth and exactly. that, is, that is it every every result matters but from united they just look at it from a business angle and you know how far can we get it to the edge of you know the transfer window from a money perspective yeah. because they think they can bully teams into you know, panicking and, you know, bringing the demands down. Because they don't say, oh, we've got three games before the end of this, let's get them in before the start of the three games. They say, oh, no, we've got till October the 5th to get players in. Let's yeah, see how exactly. much money we can save. And that is just, you know, the long and short of it. So, without yeah. ranting too much. I've said it all before, and Ollie probably will end up being sacked at some point uh, this season. And it, like two years ago when I was saying this about Mourinho... <laughs> Uh, whoever we bring in next will probably get his signings at first and then be shafted once he gets Champions League qualification yeah. and they can take that bonus. Well, that's and what I was two, thinking. In two years, I'll probably, I was thinking. I'll, 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 me and Lou will probably be sat here saying, how's yeah. Pochettino only got one signing? It's a joke, yeah. he needs more than that. And he'll I mean, be that, sat that's, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking that, you know, if, if we bring in a new manager this midway through the season, that just puts us back another year, year and a half, basically. You know, yeah. it... We're having the conversation in our like WhatsApp yesterday around what is actually going on. What's the problem at United? And people are saying Ollie out, and people are saying these players aren't good enough, or this this player is not good enough, or no one's doing it. But I just can't. I've, I've thought the same thing for for so long, and, and you're the same, Stan. That when you look at the actual common denominator over the past what eight and nine years, when you when you see something's not working, if a system's not working, a process isn't working, a team's not working, you look for what is the consistently you know, stable thing in amongst that problem. And we've had four managers, can't be the managers. They've all brought in decent-ish players. But, you know, the the things that have stayed the same are the, the board, you know, the Glazers, Ed and, and Matt Judge. And that, it, 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 yeah. it stems there. The problem is at the top and that funnels down into the rest of the team. That That is, that is how it is and people can't see it. And that's why we go around this carousel of bringing managers in yeah, I mean, that, that's it. As long as they're at the top, United will never challenge. It's as simple as that because as soon as they get that Champions League payday, and this is the third time we've seen it now, 
um, you know, they'll, they'll take the money out of the club. Uh, and a lot of people yesterday seem to think that United fans were going, oh, it, it's not Oli's fault or the players' fault at all. It, no United fan will say that the players or the manager is blameless. What the difference mm-hmm. is, is that now United fans are focusing on the real problem, and that is the board. Yeah. Uh, there's no point getting angry at the managers of the players because, like Lou says, we've seen this four times now. Yeah. We'll you know, probably... it's, it's the bigger it's the bigger picture. Yeah. You know, rival fans will rightly so as well look at it on a season by season basis. So they'll they'll isolate each terrible season. Whereas when you're looking at United, you've got to think, well, actually, this has gone on for like eight years. What's the actual over? What's the the bigger picture, and why aren't we actually yeah. doing what we should be? Um, and to put it into business perspective, when you're a business owner, you set out a target, an objective, a statement, whatever you want to call it. You know, United is, is basically something like, you know, developing world-class young players and acquiring the best internationally to compete in every you know, title or whatever. And then you look at it and think, well, hold on. Why aren't we actually setting, why aren't we achieving what Ed Woodard tell, speaks about at the end or the start of every season? And you, the more you think about it, the more you have to think that it is down to the hierarchy and the structure that we have in comparison to the likes of Bayern, Liverpool, Dortmund, you know, all the teams that generally do well. And that's have the director of football in place to work alongside your manager. And then obviously have your, your CEO, your, your managing director, however you want to title that person. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's that hierarchy and that kind of disassociation yeah. between the club at the top level that, as I said before, filters down into the rest of the team and the rest of yeah. people on the ground who are the players and the managers. And it, it just doesn't work. And until no. people actually realise that, rather than isolate each season for how poor we've been or what we've done wrong or what manager's done this and he's not got these players and that, it's, it won't change, <laughs> really. And that, that is literally it. That is the whole point of how bad United are now. That it stems yeah. from, from the top. Right, so Stan and Lou have told us how shit United have been, but it'd be unfair to say that Tottenham were shit as well, Jim. They they need some they need some plaudits for this one. Yeah, they need some loving. Um, yeah, they're very good, very good. And Kane and Son, um, a class apart from the rest, really. Maybe just Kane a class apart. I mean, if you watch uh, the first three Spurs goals, you see three different world-class things that Kane's good at, and that's um, his creation, um, his shot-taking, his pressing. He can do it all like a quarterback sometimes uh, at Old Trafford yesterday. Um, he's dropping deep and just pinging out passes out wide, just freely. No one was picking him up. Um, and Kane's actually assisted Son five times so far this season, that duo. He's on record to beat the Lampard dropper one over like so many years in just one season the way it's going um, I didn't think a team managed by Mourinho would look so free attacking and I guess the only downside to that Spurs game yesterday was maybe the fans were wishing that Gareth Bale was fit because what a game that would have been to introduce Bale um, there's no pressure on it it's against United um, and he probably would have come on and scored I thought Heuberg in the midfield was very good too yeah. Um, the kind of player that every team needs pretty much um, somebody just bosses that midfield um, and yeah I think if you were to compare, compare 
performances in two positions, if you compare like a Matic and Heiberg, then positions from yesterday, that was probably the biggest difference between United and Spurs for me. Yeah, I mean, they Stan and Lou mentioned that United have been stuck with the same players over and over again since January, I think it was that Stan said, but they've added two in the last 24 hours. They've added Alex Tellez, an exciting fullback from Portugal. I mean, we will see how well he does in the Premier League. Um, they didn't want the buy back on Reguilón. Spurs chose to accept it. They've obviously signed Alex Tellez. Cavani finally come into the Premier, you could say. He's doing as Latin. He's come in at 36 or whatever it was when Zlat came. But Stan, quickly, Cavani and Tellers, are you, are you happy? Um, yeah, it's, it's more bodies. Uh, Tellers, definitely. Um, nice attacking fullback. Um, and it means that we have a left back that doesn't wear double XL shirts. So that's nice. Um, Stan, don't I'm, fat I'm, shame. <laughs> Listen, I'm fat shaming a professional footballer, so he, I'm sure he can take it on the chins. Um, so yeah, we've, we've got we've, we've got Luke, we've got Luke at, at left back. Uh, well, not anymore, actually. We've got Alex. Very attacking. Um, I've buffet? seen a lot. I've seen a lot. Yeah, well, he can do what he wants. Him, he can sit in the box and you know have as many prawn sandwiches as he wants, which is a lot. Um, and yeah, so I've seen a few people compare him to Trent in in you know similarities. Obviously, not as good, but very attacking. Leaves a bit to be desired defensively and he's got a very good set piece in him. So definitely excited with that. And, um, you know, Cavani's an upgrade on Igalo. It's a one-year contract with an option for one. Pretty low risk. Uh, I think he only played seven games or something last season. Um, but he's been keeping himself fit. He's took up ballet. So, I mean, you know, fair enough. He, he, <laughs> thinks, he thinks men shouldn't just be limited to football. So, you know, very cosmopolitan striker at United. I like that. Taking the diversity long. box. Lovely, you know, lovely, PR team. lovely long locks, very similar to Falcao, but I don't want to get into that right now. Yes, anyone who has got some brain cells backed our bet of the week last week, we had Luton Town to win, Newcastle United, and the mighty Everton, the cosmopolitan Everton. And we could roughly get that around seven to one. We landed our bet of the week last week. Jay is one and one for the season. And I know you're thinking, oh, Jay's not going to be there next week. What am I going to do? How am I going to win some money to spend on my pig bird? But Jay's actually sent Jim a nice little voice recording here. And he's going to give you your bet of the week. So you can treat said pig. So go on, Jim. Tell us the bet of the week. <laughs> yes. Jay's been in touch. Um, stick to what you know. And here it is. Lincoln City to beat Bristol Rovers at home. Both teams to score yes in Swindon versus AFC Wimbledon. And both teams to score yes in Ukraine versus Germany. Coming in at just better than 5-1. to one. Is, Jay, wow. is Jay the same guy that reads the scores out for, for BBC after... He sounds very professional, doesn't he? Very he does sound very professional. Well, that's good that those speech therapy lessons are working that I've paid for. Right, it's time for everybody's favourite segment of the Cookie Podcast. It is Who Am I? And we're going to get straight into it. Everybody knows the rules. So, first clue. I grew up in Glasgow, Scotland and made my debut for Hamilton Academical in 2006, winning the Scottish First Division the following season. Hmm. Stephen Fletcher. It's not Fletch. Great player, but it's not Fletch. Hamilton, Glasgow, 
2006. That'd hmm. be a current player. No, it can be anybody. Okay. Uh, Alan Hutton. Clue, Luke. I'll give you a clue, Lou. It is. It's not Alan Hutton, but it is a current footballer. Okay. No, he's got nothing cut. Nothing, nothing, lads. Are we passing? Yeah. No, no worries. Second clue. I represent Ireland internationally. Uh, Isn't that a spanner in the works, lads? Yeah. We were all thinking Scotland. What do you? That's how the game works. It just gets you. Hmm. Who am is I there? Public off. Just public getting you in that red naked choke. It is Luke. Republic. It is. Glenn Whelan. I don't even know any Irish players. Again, great player, but it's not Whelan. <laughs> Shit. Oh, lovely. Celtic crossover. Um, fucking Christ. Um, still playing Ireland. Uh, Kevin Doyle. In fact, I don't even know if he's still playing. It's not Kevin Doyle. I mean, last time I saw Kevin Doyle, he was playing for Colorado yeah. Rapids. <laughs> So, I'd still be there maybe, maybe, maybe no. started at Hamilton Shane, you we're, having a, we're having a pop play Shane Duffy is he Irish I think he's Irish he, he is Irish it's not Shane Duffy can't say he's a great player sorry Shane sorry Shane um, the, I think this will be the one that tickles the listeners balls I won the FA Cup with Wigan Athletic Sean Maloney it's not Sean Maloney. Represents Ireland internationally. James McLean. No, James McLean. No. It's not James McLean. Oh, wait, I need to think now because this is real pressure. I'm going to have to rush you. I'm going to have no, to rush you. You can't say, you can't say no, that. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm oh. only playing. I'm only playing. I know. I know. I'm playing. You, you don't know who it is. You don't know who it is. I don't. I'm glad you'd have said it. <laughs> oh, I'm going to upset everyone. I'm I don't in. know. I rushed in. I'm sorry. If it's a guess, it's a mess. Maloney's, it's a very Irish name, so I, I jumped. All right, okay. So. Oh, fucking hell, I don't actually know. Pass. No. All right, then. No, I can't pass. Um, I think James MacArthur. He's got... You've hit the post You've hit the post there, Jim. You've hit the post there. I mean, I think, I think we all know who it is now, but... Well, I severely broke my leg playing <laughs> for Everton. <laughs> no, you've said the other one again. James McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, the clue was I got my move to Everton for three million pounds and I severely broke my leg playing for the Toffees. And the last clue was I currently play in London. Currently plays for Crystal Palace with James McArthur. Right. Yeah. There you go, lads. Together. Well done, Jim. Next one. I knew it was a gamble between them both. Next one. I have 88 caps for my country and I'm my country's all-time top goal scorer. I had a good answer. It actually is. No way. It actually, it actually is. <laughs> I, won two, I won two titles playing in London. I've been managed by Jose Mourinho, Pep Guardiola, no and of course, big Sam Allardyce. <laughs> I have won the Is Champions League. For Taylor, I have won the Champions League. DMs. I have won the Champions League playing for Barcelona. And the last one was I have played my football in my autumn years in India. Stan is the first ever five points on the cookie pod. So well done, Stan. 
Nice. I don't, fucking, I don't know why I thought of it, but there we go. Honest Ida, one for you, Jay. Okay, right, ladies and gents, it's time for the worst part of the podcast. It's the time where we have to love you and leave you, unfortunately. Lou's come back for what feels like his millionth time on this podcast. He knows he's always welcome. He knows he's always welcome on the pod. And it's always a pleasure to have you on the pod, Lou. So thanks for coming on. Thanks, lads. Thanks for letting me have a little vent as well at the, uh, the hands of Manchester United. So, yeah, back on again soon. Yeah, this is like the cookie pod for United fans this season. We're, we're more looking at it as we're, we're, it's, it's therapy almost. The agony ant. <laughs> it's almost football therapy for you guys. And I'm here to listen. I'm the yeah. Man United shrink. I'll see, I'll see uh, Lou in two years for the same chat. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Peace but, out. <laughs> where United will stay the same. The cookie pod will evolve and move on. We are now on YouTube. You can get us on Spotify, Acast, Apple Podcast, and now YouTube. We are finally on there. We do aspire one day to show you our lovely faces on YouTube. But for now, with all this COVID BS going on, this is all you're going to get from us. I know we're just giving you the tip. We're just teasing you. But one day <laughs> we will follow through and we will be worth it. Christ. But subscribe to our YouTube channel. <laughs> subscribe to our YouTube channel, hundred percent. Give us a five star review wherever you get your pods, and that's the way the cookie crumbles, baby. Can you just tell the listeners we'll fuck them. <laughs> <laughs>